Well, every Advent, we begin the, the season by acknowledging that the world is not what God intended, that the world indeed is a mess and needs setting right. We begin the Advent season by acknowledging that we long for God to show up and to set it right. We long for God to uh, show up and um, clean up the mess that exists in the world. We long for God to come into our lives and the world afresh and anew. And if we have been on this Advent journey, we have even begun to prepare ourselves. We have taken some time to look at ourselves and to acknowledge our own participation in the mess that exists in the world. We have taken some time uh, to ask God to continue to shape us. And now we have begun to decorate and to sing, deck the halls, enjoy to the world. We have begun to look forward to the joy of Christmas, not just the joy of gathering together as families, but the joy of celebrating Christ coming into the world afresh and anew. And so on this fourth Sunday of Advent, we stand waiting at the threshold, we stand waiting in the doorway for Christ to come, for God to come afresh and anew. And so here we are waiting at the threshold. And I can't help but wonder if too often we continue to wait at the threshold and never step through the doorway in this Christmas season. I can't help but wonder when the season comes and it passes and everything just seems to go back to the way it was and we wonder, where is God? Why didn't God show up? Well, today, on this fourth Sunday of Advent, there are a couple of passages of Scripture, one that comes from 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7, and the other comes from Luke chapter 1. And we're going to take a look at these and see if these passages maybe give us a clue as to what we need to do so that we can step through this threshold. And so first I invite us to, um, to hear the words from 2 Samuel chapter 7. Beginning in verse 1. When the king was settled in his palace, and this is talking about David, when King David was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all of his surrounding enemies. You may remember uh, King David uh, spent a lot of years on the run, and finally um, he became the king in Jerusalem, and everything seemed to settle down. And so uh, this passage begins... Uh, with David uh, the king in the palace. And he says to Nathan, Look, I'm living in this cedar palace, but God's chest is housed in a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go ahead and do whatever you think, what you're thinking, because the Lord is with you. But that very night, the Lord's word came to Nathan, Go to my servant David and tell him, This is what the Lord says. You are not to build, you are not the one to build a temple for me to live in. In fact, 
I haven't lived in a temple from the day I brought Israel out of Egypt until now. Instead, I have been traveling around in a tent and in a dwelling. Throughout my traveling around with the Israelites, did I ever ask any of Israel's tribal leaders that I appointed to shepherd my people, did I ever ask them, why haven't you built me a cedar temple? So then say this to my servant David. This is what the Lord of heavenly hosts says. I took, fr- I took you from the pasture, from following the flock, to be leader over my people, Israel. I've been with you wherever you've gone, and I've eliminated all your enemies before you. Now I will make your name great, like the name of the greatest people on earth. I'm going to provide a place for my people, Israel, and plant them so that they may, so that they may live there and no longer be disturbed. Cruel people will no longer trouble them as they had been earlier. When I appointed leaders over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. And the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make a dynasty for you. And then in verse 16, he continues, it says, Your dynasty and your kingdom will be secured forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Now, we read these passages at Advent because uh, this promise of a Davidic um, kingship and dynasty, uh, while the people in David's time may have thought that meant that it was David's sons, um, we see, as did early followers of Christ and even uh, Jewish folks, that this was a promise of the Messiah. And so we hear these words in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. When Elizabeth was six months pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a virgin who was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David's house. The virgin's name was Mary. When the angel came to her, he said, Rejoice, favored one, the Lord is with you. She was confused by these words, and she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And the angel said, Don't be afraid, Mary. God is honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David, his, follower, his father. He, the Lord will give him the throne of David, his father. He will rule over Jacob's house forever, and there will be no end to his kingdom. Then Mary said to the angel, How will this happen since I haven't had sexual relations with a man? And the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come over you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the one who is born will will be holy. He will be called God's Son. Look, even in her old age, your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son. This woman who was labeled unable to conceive is now six months pregnant. Nothing is impossible for God. And then Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me, just as you have said. And then the angel left her. Those with ears to hear, hear the word of God this day and respond. Now these seem like uh, um, some passages that are loosely linked. And in fact, we, we normally read these in Advent because of this promise to David about a dynasty about a king who will come and who will rule forever, 
in this line of David. And so we focus on this aspect usually on this fourth Sunday. And yet I wonder if sometimes if, if that's the only part of the scripture that we focus on and we end up being like the people in the first century, longing for our God to come, standing at the threshold, waiting and anticipating the Messiah, and yet the Messiah is born, grows up, lives, teaches, dies and rises, and people still stand on the threshold saying, where is my God? Where is our Messiah? And so I want to invite us to look at these passages a little bit different today and and to begin with this 2 Samuel passage in in, uh, chapter 7. Uh, as I said, this is David finds himself at rest, uh, no longer in wars. The, the, the kingdom that has been promised has been set up, and David finds himself sitting in this palace, and, and he uh, looks out the back of the palace, I guess, and, and he sees the chest of the covenant. Now, the chest of the covenant is where uh, the Ten Commandments resided, and, and probably there was a sample of manna. There were some uh, very precious and holy things in this chest of the covenant. It was considered to be the place where God showed up to meet the people. It was considered to be the place where God resided here on earth. And so it was a holy place, and, and, and David looks out the back of the palace, I guess, and he sees that the chest of the covenant is still sitting in this tent uh, that was built when they were journeying in the wilderness, in this tent of the tabernacle. And and David says, well, this just isn't right. I, I mean, our God is awesome, and so we need to build something grand and glorious for God. We need to build this big old building so everybody can see how great and honored God is. And so David has this plan. He is going to build this temple. And God, I I love this. We miss this, I think. And God basically says to David, you know, I, I, I got some different plans. Does God ever do that to you? I've got some different plans. And I find it interesting what God says here. God God says, um, I kind of like the tent. You know, you can pack the tent up and you can tell it's mobile. I can kind of be on the move. And God says, this tent's not so bad. And he he says to David, I mean, did, did I ever tell the people of Israel that you needed to build a house for me? I mean, I was able to travel with the Israelites through the wilderness and travel with them uh, into the promised land and to go wherever they went. I can't help but wonder if the idea of building this temple for God was more about building a box that we could contain God in, and make sure he didn't get loose. Yes? But, but God goes on and he, he says, while David's worried about building this, this house, God says, I'm about building a place for my people. I'm about building a place for my people, a place where the people of God and the people of this earth can thrive and flourish 
so that the people of this, uh, of this world can be as they were intended in communion with each other, in communion with God. I want to build this place so that people can live with hope and joy and love and peace. I want to build this place for the people of the earth. And so, we often think, so he says, David, you're not going to build this temple. Your son will build this temple. And it is quite possible that God was speaking about Solomon, but the more and more I read Scripture, the more and more I wonder if that's really what God had in mind. If I read Scripture, it seems like when it came to building the temple, it was more of Solomon's idea than God's idea. And in fact, as we have understood Scripture through the years, we have come to believe that this, this passage in 2 Samuel was not fulfilled when Solomon built the temple, but it was fulfilled when God came to tabernacle in this world in the person of Jesus. And so we, we see in this passage in Luke chapter 1, God is on the threshold of entering into this world in a new and different way, not just in a chest of the covenant where these articles reside, not in a temple that is built by humans that seeks to contain God, but God is on the verge of coming into this world in a new and different way. Yes, to set up His kingdom forever. Yes, we like to lay hold of that and, and we like to uh, be reminded that someday that this promise will come to full fruition and the kingdom of God will be here in its fullness and we like to lay hold to that claim. But yet, if that's all we hold, we miss, we miss what this passage seems to so loudly scream when the angel comes to Mary, the angel says, God is with you. Doesn't say, God will be with you when you rebuild the temple. It says, God is with you, favored one. And then one of the most awesome things happens that we so often pass over. We hear this passage. We hear the angel say to Mary that you will give birth to the very Son of God, that you will give birth to a human and divine, that you will give birth to this person through whom God will come to be with us. And we hear this passage as if Mary is being given a commandment. But I suggest we need to read this passage again. Mary is not being told, you will have a child no matter whether you want one or not. Mary is being invited to participate in birthing Christ into this world. This is an invitation to Mary. 
That's why the angel shows so much patience when she says, how can this be? And the angel explains to her and says that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and this child will be both human and divine. This child will be the very presence of God here on the earth. In this child, the divine and the human will come together. This will be the place where God will meet all the people of the earth. So Mary, like the rest of Israel, is standing in the doorway on the threshold waiting for a Messiah to come, wondering for years, where is the Messiah? When is God going to come again? I can't help but wonder if there had been other women who the Spirit showed up to, who who Gabriel showed up to and made this same invitation, and they said, "Uh uh-uh, not me. I can't help but wonder. But you see, in this instance, we, of course, we don't hear about them. I wonder why. Maybe they don't exist. Maybe they're only in my imagination. Mary hears what the angel says. Standing at the threshold, like much of Israel, waiting for the Messiah to come. And she steps through the threshold, through the doorway. And she says, yes. Yes, I will participate in the coming of Christ. Now we hear the story and a few days later she gives birth. Is that how it works? No, that's not how it works. She was saying yes to nine months of gestation to labor and pain, to caring for this child so that it could grow, so that he could grow and he could become as God intended him to be. But it began by her saying, yes, I am a servant of the Lord. Let what you have said be so. I can't help but wonder if Christmas after Christmas we simply remain waiting in the threshold and Christmas comes and goes just like Jesus came and walked on the earth and and went back to heaven, comes and goes and we find ourselves still saying, where's God? When's God going to show up? And I wonder... If we find ourselves waiting in that threshold, wondering where God is, because we, we haven't said yes yet. We haven't said, I'm willing to be the person through whom God is made known in the world. And so as we get closer and closer to Christmas Day, I invite us to ask ourselves, are we ready to stop waiting in the doorway? Are we ready to stop waiting at the threshold, waiting for God to do something magnificent and grand, waiting for God to do something without our cooperation? Are we ready to step through the doorway 
into the house that God has already created for us. John Wesley saw the whole Christian life as as a doorway, as a house in which we step into. Are we ready this Christmas to say yes and to step into that doorway in its fullness, to step through into this house, into this life with Christ? Are we ready to step more fully into the kingdom of God so that Christ might be born in us and through us and so that the kingdom of God might not just be something that we remember happened on a Christmas long ago when the king came or is sometime in the future when we anticipate uh, that, that Christ will come again in all of His fullness, but it is a time when Christ comes to us moment by moment and day by day, inviting us to stop waiting in the threshold, to step through the doorway, to step into the full presence of Christ and to allow Christ to fully, allow the Spirit to fully be within us, guiding us and shaping us and forming us. Are we ready to say yes to God's invitation this Christmas? Are we ready to be a host in which Christ is born and thrives and nurtures so that we might go into the world to bring about this kingdom so that we might help create this place that God intended from the beginning, a place where the people of God and the people of the earth can flourish and abound in love, joy, and peace. Indeed, let us, along with Mary, this day and this Christmas, say yes.